Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Um, so God is good. Amen. He's so good. He's so good. You know what I love about Alicia's testimony is she's like, oh, she's calling on me. Um, I love that she asked Holy Spirit a question. Amen? Because we talk about how um, we have the grace to draw near to the Lord and to be in his presence and stuff like that. Like when we're going after um, hearing from the Holy Spirit and prophecy and things like that. I just love that she started with asking Holy Spirit a question. It's so important. Uh, Because God loves to speak to us and loves to speak to us through people and through situations and stuff like that. But when we take the time to ask him a question, um, it's really cool because it starts this process of him answering that question for us. And so I just encourage you, if there's there's ever something that you're confused about or something that you don't know or don't understand or whatever, ask Holy Spirit a question and see how he answers it. Because he could answer it in a dream. He could answer it in some unexpected way. He could answer it through a person. or You never know how it's going to be answered. But um, he always answers. Amen? James 1.5 says that when we don't have um, wisdom, we can ask of God. And he pours it out generously and without reproach. Amen? And let me tell you uh, how much more powerful it makes even prophecy when we are in this continual conversation with the Lord. Amen. It's one thing for a person to come up to you and be like, oh, you know, God's going to bless you with a a car that's $5,000 or whatever like that, which is awesome. But without her coming to the Lord and asking the question, then that brings the confirmation when someone's like, $5,000 is the number, whatever. Oh my gosh, I've been praying about that. That's why I felt like I've I've been hearing and that's the confirmation. Amen. Amen? So it makes things that much more powerful when we're walking with Holy Spirit and walking in that close relationship. Amen? Amen. All right. So the message today that the Lord has put on my heart is about grace, our favorite subject. Amen? Wow. Amen? Amen? Grace? Grace is good. Um, Yeah. There's, uh, I put out a video on on Facebook, um, what was it, last week? And um, the Lord put it on my heart. I actually pulled over. Um, I was uh, talking to someone on the phone. I got off the phone, and I started thinking and processing with the Lord, and it was like this urgent um, thing where it's like, I need to pull over, and I just need to throw out an encouragement on, on Facebook. So I threw out this encouragement, and here's what's been happening in the atmosphere, and I'll just, I'll just share this with you as well. Um, there, is, uh, there has been extra atmospheric disturbance. I'll put it that way. It's the enemy. Um, adding to problems in communication, okay? Have any of you been experiencing that? Maybe you want to raise your hand, maybe you don't want to, but that's okay, okay? So there's been like added frustration. It's like communication can always be something that we can improve at, that we can work on and make sure that we're communicating properly and things like that. But what I'm telling you is that there has been an attack specifically in the area of communication where the enemy throws these things into the atmosphere and it's like taking our communication and it just twists it. Okay, and when that communication gets twisted, it's not just on one side. Okay, so it's not just like, oh, this person is not understanding me. It's like, no, actually, what's happening is they're not understanding you, and when they communicate with you, you're also not understanding them. Does that make sense? And so then what happens is offense, and then offense, and then reaction, and reaction, and reaction, reaction, and then next thing you know, there's this big, you know, 
misunderstanding, mishap, issue, whatever, and it is simply miscommunication, and it's simply things that are getting twisted in the atmosphere. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you have been experiencing that, I just want to encourage you that you are not the only one, and that um, there is a way to um, combat that, and the way to combat that is not to yell into the air, oh, come out, devil, (laughs) okay? The way to defeat that type of communication twisting is to come to a place of humility, is to come to a place of, um, of brokenness, of I'm going to show you what's going on inside of me. It's to come to a place of like, what's the squishy, most vulnerable thing that's happening right now, rather than the reaction of what's happening, and, um, and I'm going to react in anger, or I'm going to react in offense, or I'm going to, I'm going to make you understand me, okay? That is not going to work with this kind of thing that's going on. What's gonna work is to go low, go humble, reveal what's going on inside of you, and then let them have their part and give it to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Okay. At some point, we have to give these situations over to Jesus. Obviously, we want to communicate as best we can what's going on inside of our heart. We want to be prayed up. We want to deliver these things in love and also speak the truth in love. Um, But we want to make sure that we're avoiding rising up in pride and trying to get our side heard and that kind of thing. Because what is happening is that the enemy is warring against relationships and trying to pull them apart and trying to cause issue where there really shouldn't be an issue and disunity and disharmony and stuff like that. So we're gonna talk more about that in a a moment, but what the Lord put on my heart is to talk about his grace and to understand um, more about his grace. So um, this is how you tell the difference between religion and the gospel, okay? How many of you know what the gospel means? Good news, yes. So this is the difference between religion and the gospel. Religion begins with separation Gospel begins with nearness. Amen? So religion begins with you are separated from God, and here are steps A, B, and C, so that you can slowly but surely work your way to him, get your way to him, earn your way, work your way, strive your way, whatever that list may be. This is how to get your prayers answered. Follow steps A, B, C, and D. These are the words that you say. That's religion. It's starting with you are separated from God, and this is how you come close to him. Do you see the difference? Gospel is he has brought you near. You are one with him. And you start there. Amen? So there's no steps and and, and processes and formulas for how you can draw closer. You are already one with him. And then the two of you together go forth and do things. But it's out of a response of what he's already done for you. Amen? Religion relies on our behavior and our performance. Grace and the gospel relies on what he already accomplished for us, and everything that we do is a response to his love. Amen? Okay. So Romans 5.17, I believe we have that for the screens. Um, it says, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigns through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Okay? Have you received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? Okay? So we've received the gift of righteousness. It is a free gift to us. You have been made righteous. There's nothing you can do to make yourself righteouser. Amen? There's an abundance of grace. Okay? 
So as far as like grace for sin, grace for salvation, it is unending. It is super abounding. There is nothing that you can do that would reach beyond where his grace can reach you. Amen? Like I've had people ask me the question, isn't it like a thermometer? Like beyond a certain line, it's like he's going to run out of grace for you. It's like, no, actually, what he has is unending, super abounding. He overpaid with Jesus for your sin. Amen? And once you are one in him, you are one with him, there's never-ending grace for that. Amen? So there's grace for sin salvation. It's unending. It's superabounding. God will never tire of pouring out his grace upon you. Amen? Romans 5.20 says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Amen? So Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for everything that you did on the cross We thank you for your grace that is abounding toward us, Father. We thank you, Lord, that there's nothing we could do to separate us from your love. We thank you that you love us completely and wholly, and you know the ins and outs of our heart, God. You know every secret place. You know every secret sin, Father, and yet you still powerfully choose to love us and to love us recklessly, God, and we just thank you so much for it, Jesus. We thank you, God, and we just ask, God, for your anointing to come in, Father, that anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Lord, I ask that you would speak this morning, Father, what you want to speak, and we just thank you so much for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So there's grace for sin, for our salvation, and that kind of thing. That's already settled, amen? Okay? There is also grace that is empowerment, amen? Grace that empowers you to do certain things. Let's put up on the screen Romans 12, 6 through 8. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, if he teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we've each been given a portion of grace to accomplish certain things. Amen? So do you agree that there is grace for empowerment to do certain things? If, if you've been given a grace to teach, it says teach. If you've been given a grace to show mercy, then show mercy and do all these wonderful things. Amen? Ephesians 4, 7 also says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Okay? So now what I'm talking about is portions of grace that God gives to you to do certain things. Amen? Now, in that grace that he gives to you to accomplish those certain things, in those certain things, there is abounding grace to cover for any weakness that you have, for any shortcoming, any you know, behavior or whatever, there's unending grace for that thing. But do you see how you have been given grace for certain things and maybe not so much for other things? Amen? Like I have the grace to pastor a church right now. I have not been given the grace to be an astronaut. <laughs> it's just not something God has graced me with. I could try to be an astronaut, you know, um, but I, you know, I'm not wired for it, you know, but that, it's just not something that I feel a grace on my life for. Does that make sense? It would be absolute striving on my part to try to even take a step in that direction toward being an astronaut. Does that make sense? Okay. So we have to understand how God's grace works. Um, it's, it's a lot like money, Okay, Um, if if we're afraid of money, we are probably not going to have much of it. Amen. 
Have any of you ever uh, seen or heard or even done, I know I've done this, um, where you spiritualize being poor? And it's like, man, I'm afraid of what money would do to me or what money does to people sometimes, so I better not be around money. Does that make sense? Okay? That's actually a poverty mindset, okay? Because the Lord actually has built us and designed us and wired us for good stewardship so that those things can come in as a blessing to us and we can learn how to steward that money and operate in the kingdom and be able to bless the poor and be able to do all these amazing things. Amen? So it's not something that we have to be afraid of. Money itself is not evil, it's the love of money that is the root of evil. Amen? So as long as we're not loving it, it can be our friend. <laughs> Amen? Does that make sense? It's similar with the grace of God. Sometimes you say the word grace and people get afraid. They're like, man, if God's just pouring out grace on me all the time and he makes it too easy, I'm just going to start messing up. And man, I, just, I, better, I better work for it. If it's, if it's not hard for me, then something must be wrong. You can't just give, people to stu- give stuff to people or you know, they'll, they'll go crazy, they'll go wild. And sometimes people have that same kind of poverty mindset when it comes to the grace of God. But that's just not how he works. He pours out grace abundantly. He pours out grace upon grace for the things that he's called you to do. Amen? But he does not give you the grace to be somebody else. Amen? So it's time to like, it's like we're learning about God's grace, how to use it. The same way it's like how to use money, how to utilize God's grace. Okay? Because there's things that we have grace for and there's things that we don't. Okay? He's not going to give you the grace to try to be someone that you're not. Amen? Okay? It's like, oh no. (laughs) I thought that would work. Okay? For the humble, there is no such thing as a lack of grace for what he calls you to do. God has unending, abundant grace for you for the things he's calling you to. It's not dependent on your striving or your behavior. It is only impacted by your belief if you think it's not there for you. Amen? It's all about what we think. Amen? It's all about what we believe. So, for example... Um, in, in the season that I'm in right now and in, in, in the season that I've been in as a mom, okay, um, there's only so many things that I have the capacity to do when I'm also momming and homeschooling for kids. Amen? <laughs> so we had a situation, this was like a couple years ago, we were teaching a, a Bible study and it was growing, it was just awesome and doing really well. Well, something happened and um, I was given one hour notice that I was going to teach Bible study that night and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been surrounded by kids all day. I'm stressed out. I don't even know where to begin. I didn't even have my prayer time today. You know, all the thoughts go through your head, okay? And I had one hour to prepare a message. So I just went in my prayer closet and I'm like, Lord, I have no clue. I'm like, I need your help. I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. So I really need you to just pour out and just tell me something or we can just play a game. I don't know what we're going to do. And so I went to the Lord and, um, and I, I prayed, and he just poured out so much grace. It was like I couldn't write fast enough what he was calling my attention to in the scripture and stuff. And I'm writing down a scripture, and he's writing down a way to look at it and a way to process it and stuff like that. So then um, an hour goes by, and I go and I teach the Bible study, and people are like, oh, my gosh, this is the best Bible te- uh, teaching that you've ever done. And, oh, my gosh, I got so much out of that, and that's right in my season. That's right where I'm at. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because I know that was not me. Amen? So he pours out so much grace for the things that he's calling us to. Amen? Amen. More than enough. Okay? But we also need to steward the grace that he's pouring out. 
Amen? So if God's given you a grace for business, you want to utilize that grace for business and use it. Amen? You want to steward that blessing, steward that grace. You don't have the grace to be someone else, and you don't have grace to hand out to everyone because you are not God. Amen? So here's the question. What do you have the grace for? Okay? Because his grace is unending. He has unending supply. But you are not God. So there are certain graces that have been given to you. And there are certain times that you will have people come to you and want to utilize the grace that's on your life. But you have to steward the grace that God has given you because you are not God and you cannot be someone else's source. Amen? Okay? Here's how to tell the difference. God's grace, God is your source, okay? So in the places that you live, in the places that God's called you to do certain things, he has unending supply of grace for you, amen? Grace that has been given to you for someone else, if it's being misused, you have now become that person's source. That's when the grace that's been given to you is being misused, amen? Okay? So like for me as a leader, I don't look at how well I'm doing my job as a leader if people are coming to me and needing me. I look at my job as a leader. I'm doing a good job when people need Jesus and go to Jesus and go to Holy Spirit and he is their source. That's when I'm like, yes, I'm doing my job. Amen? Okay? So we don't want to become people's source. Sometimes we try to give people grace that we actually don't have or that God is not giving. Amen? Okay? So here's how we tell the difference. Grace is not guilt-motivated. Okay? So if you're wondering, man, do I, have, do I have the grace to do this thing for this person this person wants me to do? Okay? Grace is not guilt-motivated. It's not going to be motivated out of compulsion. Amen? So I think we have up on the screen uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8 says, Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Okay? So when we give to people and when we pour out out of the grace that's on our lives, it has to be out of a decision that we made in our heart with Holy Spirit and not because we're feeling bad. Amen? Not because we're feeling guilty, not because we feel like we have to or we should. It's going to be out of a cheerful heart of giving. Okay? Now, there are times that, like, sometimes we need to be reminded of things, and it's like, okay, you know, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I can do this, and I have the grace for that. Very different from, I feel like I have to, and I feel overwhelmed, and this feels like a burden, and why did I say yes to this, and why did I say yes to this again? Do you see the difference? Anyone ever experienced that? I used to live my life there. <laughs> everything is a should. Everything is a have to. Everything is a, oh, man, they're going to be ticked if I don't, Okay. That's when you know you've stepped out of what God has graced you to do. Amen? And you just need to do a heart check and be like, okay, Lord, are you asking me to do this thing? Are you asking me to X, Y, Z? And then that's where you find out where your grace is at. Amen? Okay. I ask for God's grace all the time. 
That's like one of my, my most frequent prayers. I ask God for the grace to do certain things. I ask God for the grace to have faith for certain things. Even faith is, is something that he gives by his grace. I constantly ask for his grace, for preaching, for leading worship, grace for, for anything that I have to accomplish. I'm asking for God's grace. Um, there's grace that is empowerment, and that's what it is that um, I'm asking the Lord for. So we're not supposed to give grudgingly or under compulsion, okay? Jesus didn't go to the cross out of guilt or because he would feel bad if he didn't. Amen? It was a choice. It was a powerful choice, okay? So the mark of grace is going to be that it's a choice to give it. Amen? Grace is a choice that God made about you. It is not deserved. And the only thing that you need to qualify for God's grace is that you need it. Amen? The only qualification for God's grace is that you need it. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, I qualify for God's grace as long as I need it. <laughs> God does not motivate people through guilt, okay? Cheerful giving is important to his heart. He wants us to be powerful. He wants us to be kingdom people. Kingdom people are powerful people, amen? Okay, but it says there's an abundance of grace for every good deed, right? So I should be able to give to anybody. I should be able to spend my time and energy and love on just about anybody because I should have grace for every single good deed, right? Amen? Not every deed that we do is truly good in God's eyes, okay? Is it a good deed to enable somebody? Is that a good deed? No. Is it a good deed to allow ourselves to become someone's source instead of God? No, because then we're actually standing in their way. Amen? Can you feel it when you don't have the grace for something? It's different than just something being challenging. There's times that we have the grace to do things, and it's hard. And it's something that we have to put some effort in and we're going to do some hard work as Christians. It's not to say, oh, everything's a freebie and you're just going to lay in bed and wads of cash are going to come to you. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But uh, so things are going to be challenging. There's times that we have to do some work and, and get our elbows in it or whatever, but you're going to feel the peace of God. You're going to know that God is with you in it. You're going to feel his grace and strength upon you. It's going to be in his strength. There's going to be rest, Amen. When you're making a decision outside of something he's graced you for, it's going to feel burdened. It's going to feel overwhelming. There's going to be no peace. You're going to feel like you have to do it. You're going to be upset about it. You're going to be angry at the people that made you do it. Amen? These are the things that are stepping outside of what God has graced you to do. Okay? This is not good deeds. This is actually just not stewarding the grace that's on your life. Amen? So we have grace in relationships. We have grace for communication, okay? We talked about the communication issues going on in the atmosphere. So we have grace to be patient. We have grace to produce the fruit of the spirit, amen? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. We have grace to love. We have grace to communicate. We have grace to be vulnerable in our close relationships and communicate what's going on inside of us. Amen? Instead of, how are you doing? You look like something's wrong. I'm fine. <laughs> right? We have the grace to open up our chest and say, okay, this is what's going on inside of me. 
We have the grace to communicate that. We have grace to stay in our own identity no matter what the other person is doing. We have grace to be powerful, to be who we are no matter what someone else is doing. We have grace to be powerful. Here's what we don't have grace for. This is something um, I've been processing with the Lord and stuff, and I was sort of wrestling with the Lord about this certain situation. And the Lord spoke to me in the night. I don't even remember a dream, but I heard the Lord say very loudly to me, um, repentance in someone else's heart is my job. (laughs) I was like, okay? Repentance in someone else's heart is my job, is what the Lord said to me. It is not our job to go in and fix people and change their minds. Amen? We have a grace to communicate. We have a grace to open up our chest and say, hey, this is how this XYZ is affecting me. Okay? But beyond that, we do not have a grace to fix and change someone's mind. We can present truth and we can give it over to the Lord. But the actual work of repentance, it's his kindness that leads them to repentance. Amen? Yep, I got a little spanking from the Lord. (laughs) He says, repentance is my job. Our job is to communicate. Our job is to set boundaries. Our job is to love. And our goal needs to be to love, to listen, and to understand. Amen? Someone say, love, listen, and understand. Here's a bad goal. I'm going to make you repent to see like me. Okay? And when I say repent here, I'm not talking about repenting of sin. I'm talking about changing your mind. Okay? I'm going to change your mind so that you can see like I see. If that's your goal, that is not going to work so well. Amen? We are all wired so differently. We all have different graces on our life to do different things. We have different things that motivate us. We have different sets of childhood issues that we've got going on. So if your goal is to try to make someone have the same lens that you do, it's only going to equal pain and, and disconnection in that relationship. Amen? Repentance is God's job. Repentance in someone else's heart. Um, A bad goal is getting into arguments over right versus wrong. But I'm right and you're wrong, and there's one way to see this, okay? We're back on the bad tree, okay? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when we're arguing what is right and what is wrong. This is the right way to see it. This is the wrong way to see it. We are on the tree of death. Amen? We do not have grace for that tree. Once we're arguing in that realm, we don't have grace for it. So here's what that communication stuff does in the atmosphere. Twists, I feel misunderstood, so I fire something. Now it twists on this side. They totally misunderstand what you're saying. Now they're offended, now you're offended, and it just twists. And we're going to argue over who's righter and who's wronger. And we are just on the death tree. Amen. There's no grace for fixing that situation. What we have to do is get rid of right versus wrong. We have to go low, and we have to love. Amen? We have to love no matter how wrong it seems, no matter how right we think we are. We have to come to a place of love, humility, and just say, okay, this is what's going on inside of me. You have a choice to respond. You have a choice. I'm going to leave that with Jesus, but I can be powerful over here. I can set a boundary if I need to, if there's uh, some kind of pain happening or some kind of abuse happening. But as far as the repentance thing, we have to leave that in the hands of the Lord or we fall prey to what the enemy is trying to do in the atmosphere. 
And all that's going to equal is just relationships that are ripped and torn apart and there's unnecessary pain. Amen? Okay. So we do not have grace to make someone else uh, change their mind. We do not have the grace to tell other people what's going on inside of them. Amen? I can tell there's a lot of thinking going on. We have the grace to say what's going on inside of us. We do not have the grace to share what's going on inside another person because there's no way that we could know that. Amen? And the guesses and the attempts that we make at that is really painful. Okay? Even people don't even know what's going on in their own heart. How could we? You know, only God knows what's going on in someone's heart. So the second we start putting our flag on, this is what you're thinking, and this is why you did that. We do not have a grace for that. Amen? We only have a grace for, this is what I was thinking, and, you know, I I hope you don't receive it in a bad way, but this is actually what I meant, and this is what was going on inside of my heart. Amen? Do you see what we have grace for and what we don't have grace for? Amen? So a good goal is to share your heart. A good goal is to, even in witnessing, share the gospel. The rest is between them and God. It's God's job to draw people to himself. It's God's job. Like the the job of of evangelism, all, all our job is is to share the gospel, share the good news. Okay? But we can't force it down their throat and you will change your mind. I'm going to argue with you into the kingdom. That never, ever worked. If Holy Spirit's not drawing them in, there's just not going to be a grace for that. Amen? That's his job. Amen? It's the same. When we're sharing our heart, you share the good news of what's going on inside of my heart, and then you leave it to them. It's between them and the Lord. Amen? The Lord says repentance is his job. Somebody say repentance is God's job. Repentance in someone else's heart is God's job. After you've done your job, if someone won't see something the way you're presenting it, or they don't understand you, surrender it to Jesus, you can set limits on your exposure to abusive behavior. Okay? So if they're, not, if they're just not seeing it, if they're just not, you know, hearing you, and there's some abusive things going on or just things that shouldn't happen or whatever, then we can be powerful to set limits on that, to set boundaries in our lives, okay? Um, but we have the grace to stay in our own identity. Amen? And not change who we are in reaction to what's going on. Okay, so that's something else that's, that I see happening. Is that someone rises up and they're like, you don't understand me. But you don't understand me. And the next thing you know, they're both out of their identity. They're both not being who they actually are. Because they're in reaction to what the other one is doing. And it just escalates. Amen? So you have a grace to stay in your own identity. And not to change who you are in reaction. Did you ever hear the story about the princess who kissed a frog? She was hoping it would turn into a prince, and it didn't. She turned into a frog, too. Princess who wanted to kiss a frog, she was hoping it would turn into a prince, but it didn't. She turned into a frog, too. You can't change somebody. You can't bring transformation. That is God's job. You don't have the grace for that. You only have the grace to be powerful yourself, to work with the Lord to change yourself, 
and to open your heart up to transformation in your own life. But you cannot control the transformation of somebody else. Amen? As much as we'd all love to. <laughs> as much as we'd all love to be Holy Spirit, we do not have grace for that. Loving someone truly, like the way Jesus loves people, means that you're not going to have a goal of transforming them into something else, particularly for your own benefit. Amen? So like here's this princess kissing this frog, and she doesn't actually love the frog. She's just hoping that he's going to be a prince for her benefit. Amen? But it's actually not loving when you feel like, well, I love you because I'm trying to change you into something that I really want. Do you see the difference? Does that make sense? Everyone's so quiet this morning. You want to love the frog, not just the potential prince, or you'll hurt the frog's feelings. Amen? Jesus loved people where they were at. He didn't say, man, oh, you know. Of course he had vision for what they could be or what they're meant to be and what he gave them identity for. But he didn't love them trying to change them. He loved them where they were at. Okay? When he met prostitutes, when he met tax collectors, did he sit there and preach at them about how they need to change their life? No, he threw a party and said, hey, let's all eat together, and hey, I just want to show you how much I love you, and guess what? They repented, and they changed their ways because they felt loved and valued by him, and they valued what he had to say. Amen? He, they could tell that something was different. They could tell that they were loved, that they were accepted, and that's what brought that transformation. That's what brought that, but he had no ulterior motive of trying to change them for his benefit. He loved them recklessly, he loved them, and he's like, if you never turn your heart to me, I'm still going to love you. That's how reckless he is with his love and with his heart. Amen? That's why he was accused of being a friend of sinners. Amen? So love the frog, or you'll hurt the frog's feelings. Love the frog for the frogness. <laughs> Here's the enemy's goal, okay? When you've been hurt by someone, the enemy wants more than for you to just be hurt by them. He wants to turn you to the dark side, to become like them through bitterness, through control, through anger. Amen? So we might have frogs in our lives, but we don't have to jump in the pond with them. Amen? <laughs> Love the frog. Stay out of the pond. Amen? Stay in your own identity. Stay who you are. Don't be like the princess who became a frog. Amen? All right. We don't have grace for trying to make things happen. We don't have grace for control. We don't have grace for gossip or sowing discord among brethren. Amen? If someone sins against you, you take it directly to them. Okay, there's a whole process in Matthew 18 if you want to check it out, okay? Um, if someone sins against you, you take it directly to them. You don't need to talk about it with like eight other people and get eight other people's opinion on something before you even know what was going on inside of their heart and all that type of thing. There's, there's a process for this. The reason is, is because once you've got the ear of all those other people, even if you and that other person work it out, those other people aren't going to be there for that resolution. So now there's thoughts and there's division and there's things going on in those other people. Amen? Amen? Okay, so Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, 
so that it will give grace to those who hear. Okay? So this is how you tell the difference between gossip and trying to protect somebody or trying to talk to a pastor and work out situations, okay? So this is not to say, because sometimes Christians fall into this thing where like there's, there's a problem happening and they're deathly afraid of talking about it with anybody and it's like, I don't know what to do and I feel like I'm silenced and I can't say anything, okay? Um, here's how you tell the difference between gossip and a situation like that. Is it, is it according to the need of the moment, okay? According to the need of the moment is important for you to talk to someone about the situation, okay? Is it gonna bring grace to them? Is it gonna bring grace to the person that's involved? Does that make sense? Okay, so we wanna make sure that we are letting no unwholesome word proceed from our mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace, so it will edify, so it will build up, so that it will create more unity. Okay? If I'm coming with a goal of I want to bring more unity, that's a good thing. We have grace for that. Amen? If I'm coming with a goal to build a case and get people on my side and to warn them that this person is blah, 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 and they're doing this and this is all that they're ever going to be, that's when it's gossip. That's when it's not going to build up. It's not going to edify. It's not going to be helpful. Amen? Okay? We're, we're moving up. We're trying to, like, mature in the things of the Lord, mature in grace and become mature believers who walk in the grace of the Lord, okay? So that's how we tell the difference. There is a difference between discerning and judgment, okay? The difference between discerning and judgment is if I am walking in the gift of discerning of spirits, I'm going to know that there's certain spirits in operation in the behind the scenes kind of thing. If I'm walking in judgment, then I'm going to say that person is nothing but a such and such and this is all they'll ever be and be careful of that person because they are evil. Okay? Do you see the difference between discerning something that is actually going to bring grace, it's actually going to edify the situation, it's going to bring greater unity, it's actually going to bring people together. Okay? Judgment is going to be, that person's no good, get away from that person, and we need to get them out of here. Do you see the difference? Okay? It's important that we begin to walk in, in maturity in those ways. Um, it's not pleasing to the Lord when there's gossip and when there's division and discord. And it's, it's really tough because um, once, once that is, is out there, it's like a bell that can't be unrung. Does that make sense? So we have to be really, really careful to follow Matthew 18 protocol. Like if there's something, if like if your brother sins against you, bring it directly to them, okay? And then if, if they won't hear you, then you bring a witness and then you confront whatever is going on. And if that doesn't work, then you bring the elders of the church and then you confront. And then if they just won't hear or whatever, then you put it before the entire church and, and that kind of thing. Does that make sense? We have to be so careful with our words because we have the power of life and death in our tongue, amen? And we have the power to build up and we have the power to tear down. So it's really, really important um, that we understand the power that is in our tongue, amen? All right, we have grace for setting boundaries, okay? The Bible says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Anything else is of evil. It's evil. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no, okay? So in order to have a powerful yes to the things that God is calling you to do and the things that God is calling you to steward, you have to have a powerful no. 
Amen? You have to be willing to say no to things. You have to be willing to say no to good things, to amazing things, if you want to have a powerful yes. Okay? We're all called to steward the grace that God has put on our lives. Okay? Spirit-led boundaries are proactive. Okay? It's not just like, well, you're going to do that. Well, I'm just going to slap up a boundary, and I'm never going to call you again, and I'm never going to answer phone calls. Right? It's not, it's not like that. It's actually meant to bring greater unity. Okay? If someone is messy, okay, and they are messy, and they are not in a, in a place of transformation or whatever, and I allow them into the inner courts of my heart, and I make myself completely vulnerable to someone who's really messy and not safe, then they could take that information and they could use it to hurt me. They could take that information, they could make it, it's like a bull in a china shop. They could hurt my heart, they could injure me, they could injure you know, my family and things like that. So in order to preserve love, I'm going to have boundaries with people that are unsafe and I'm not gonna allow them into the inner courts of my heart. Does that make sense? And really the only people that should be in the inner, inner courts of my heart are the people that belong there, like my husband, my children, you know, maybe a really, really close friend. Does that make sense? So boundaries are not about separating people. It's actually how can I include you into my life in a way that's safe and in a way that I'm still stewarding and guarding and protecting what God has given me to steward and guard and protect. Does that make sense? It actually brings greater unity, greater love, okay? If I don't have a fence um, between me and my neighbor, and there's no real established line of what belongs to my neighbor and what belongs to me, and his dog starts coming and pooping in my yard, <laughs> I'm probably going to be pretty upset with him. I'm probably going to be frustrated about what's going on, okay? It's actually not going to promote love, and there's no real distinction of what is something that I'm supposed to steward and what is something that he's supposed to steward. So it's actually my fault if the dog's pooping in my yard if I am not keeping fences where they need to be. Does that make sense? It's actually so that I can love him in a greater way, okay? I'm gonna be ticked at him, I'm gonna be ticked at his dog, I'm gonna be ticked at his crazy alcoholic uncle that's squatting in a tent in our yard, you know, because I don't have a boundary that says, this is what I need to steward and this part belongs to you. Does that make sense? Okay, so boundaries are actually there to preserve love, to preserve unity and to preserve good stewardship. Does that make sense? It brings unity. Okay? If there's someone in your life that's not mature enough to handle the deepest places of your heart, it's okay to have a boundary in your heart that doesn't allow access to those places. It, you don't have to put up a wall, like I said, and just like, I'm just never going to talk to you again. I'm not going to judge them. And you're a terrible person. Get away from me. Get out of my life. It's like, no, how can I include you in my life in a way that is not going to bring chaos into my world because you don't know how to handle yourself in certain situations. That makes sense? Okay, so think of it like a small child. Um, they're not mature enough to handle certain conversations, so I'm not going to discuss my mortgage with a little child. That makes sense? I'm not going to discuss, you know, uh, fears and issues and stuff in my marriage with a little child. Does that make sense? So that way I am not judging the person, I'm not being harsh, I'm not cutting them off, I'm finding a way to include them and change my expectation of what I'm assuming is gonna happen in that relationship. 
okay? If I'm expecting a small child to come into my heart and be able to handle all that's going on inside of there, and then they can't, and then I judge them for it, that's actually not fair. So what I need to do is change my expectation of what they can handle. Amen? Okay, so here's a good starting question for boundaries. What has God given you to steward? What's in the realm of responsibility that he has entrusted you with? Okay, whether it's personal finances, whether it's your kids, whether it's your marriage, your personal business, um, whatever it is, um, when it comes to boundaries and you're asking the question, can I take on this new thing or this thing that's in my life, can I still handle this thing that's in my life that I keep saying yes to while still stewarding the things that actually are my responsibility that God's given to me? Does that make sense? So if you're asking that question about a certain thing and your answer is no, then it's actually not your time to give. It's actually not your energy to give because that time and energy belongs to your children. That time and energy belongs to your spouse. Does that make sense? And sometimes we feel guilty and we feel like compulsion to go and give our time and energy to this and my time and energy, my finances to that and to this and to that. And it's all motivated by guilt and then I'm actually not stewarding what it is that God has given me to steward, and then my kids feel neglected, my spouse is neglected. Does that make sense? So God gives us grace to set boundaries to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Amen? The Lord has limitless supplies of grace for the things that he's given you to be responsible over. Okay? Amen? All right. You have grace for your weaknesses. Grace for your weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So he gives you grace for your weaknesses. Okay? So no matter what the weakness is, no matter what the thing is that you're concerned that you don't have enough of or concerned that you don't have the, the wisdom for yet or the, the knowledge or the talent for or whatever, if God has called you to it, he will actually show up with his strength where you are weak and then you get to look like a genius. Amen? And it's his doing. Amen? Amen. God gives you super abundant grace in the area of your challenge. It's actually disproportionate. He doesn't give you an equal amount of grace to match the severity of your weakness. He actually pours out even more. I can tell you as, as a mom um, pastor <laughs> right now, I actually feel at an advantage that I'm a mom because God gives me so much grace. Like people ask me all the time, like, oh, how did you have time to do this, that, whatever? How did you have time to prepare that message or the, you know, whatever, write, write this thing or whatever? And I'm just like, I can't describe it to you. Like he pours out downloads between like when I'm folding laundry and when I'm doing the dishes, you know, or I'll be homeschooling the kids and like the Lord's confirming his word to me through like their Bible lesson and homeschool that day. It's like, I can't describe to you how graceful he is, how he just gives me a dream and a download and says certain words. It's like, here's your message. It's like, I, I actually feel at an advantage that I'm a mom doing these things. Does that make sense? God has given me grace to do this in this season. Now there's things that I don't have grace for that sometimes I want to do, 
Okay, so like uh, we're we're redoing this this room over here and um, putting like the comfy furniture over here, and we're actually going to start having our um, life group in in this uh, suite next door. And because one of the things that I do not have the grace for in this season is to clean my house and have a toddler and everything else, and have everybody come over to my house, and I can you know do the hospitality thing and serve food, and my house is spotless, and I just don't have grace for that this season. And I'm like, you know what? That's okay. That's all right, because God's not telling me that I'm supposed to do that. Amen? So it's like we need to figure out in every season, what is it that I have the grace to do? And what is it that I do not have the grace to do? I would love to meet with like 10 people a week. I would love that. I would feel so good as a pastor, like I'm doing my job. But I don't have grace for that. If I were to do that, I'm actually stealing the grace that I have for my children, and I'm giving it to people that I'm actually not responsible for. Does that make sense? And now I'm actually not stewarding what God has actually given me grace to steward. Make sense? So what season are you in? What do you have grace for? What do you not have grace for? It's okay. Amen? You have grace for nearness to God, and we're we're wrapping it up here. Nearness to God. You don't have to beg him to come close to you. You can walk into his presence, and it's as simple as, like, I'm just drawing close to you right now. It's just this heart condition where my heart just kind of points toward the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to be in your presence right now. He's here. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's not like he's, like, playing this game of chicken of, like, I'm just, I'll wait for you to come close to me, and then I'll come close to you. It's literally as simple as just, like, as soon as my heart connects to the Lord, it's like, bam, he's right there. It's like we really don't have to beg for him. Remember what I said earlier, religion is it starts with separation. And now, man, it's been, you know, three weeks since I had prayer time. So now I got to jump through all these hoops and get past his disappointment before I can feel like we're close. No, it doesn't work like that. That's religion. Okay. Gospel. We're already close. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. He's always with us. You are one with him. It doesn't get any closer than that. You are one with Christ. Everywhere you go, you are one with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can't get away from him. Where can I run from your presence, Lord? If I make my bed in Sheol, if I you know, ascend to the highest heights, he's always there. We can never get away from him, never get away from his love. So it's as simple as just like I'm just turning my heart to the Lord. Bam, he's right there. We have grace to be near to God and to walk and spend time in his presence at any moment. You have the grace for that. Amen? That's something that we want to cultivate in our lives. Um, But let me tell you, every soul is longing for a king like Jesus, whether they know it or not. Whatever the longing is in your heart, whatever the question is, whatever the problem, whatever the heartache, the answer can always be found in his presence. He can answer questions for you. You can ask him questions. You can go on a journey of processing. But he is so good. He's seriously, he's the best. And so you always have the grace to enter in to that closeness, to enter in to that intimate place, and you don't have to wait. There's no, like, time period of, oh, you're in timeout for a second, okay? You can always enter into that closeness. He's ever-present in time of trouble. How did Jesus not burn out with all the ministering that he did? He was always withdrawing into the presence of God. He wasn't withdrawing into a list of prayers, He wasn't withdrawing into trying to pray right. 
He withdrew to be in the presence of his father. And in the presence of his father, he received that love, the energy, the wisdom, the grace, whatever it was that he needed. He received it in the presence of God. And that's what changes us. Okay? It's like even in the song that we sang, let us become more aware of your presence. It's not like, Lord, come to me, please, please, can we have your presence? Lord, please, we're begging you, can we have your presence? It's like, no, let us become aware that his presence is here right now, okay? The kingdom of heaven is within us, he's within us, and we're one with him. From his presence, grace looks like an overflow. It's awesome. So, uh, yeah, so here's uh, what the Lord was just kind of sharing with me. Um, As far as God's grace, he doesn't want people to fear his grace, It's just like how, like we said earlier, some people fear money, some people fear grace, that somehow it's going to change them for the worse. And it's just a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. It's as though we think our striving and our efforts are the only thing that are safe to us. But man, if things are given to us for free, or man, if God just decides to bless us or pour out favor upon us, somehow we feel like we're going to be like spoiled children. But we have such a good dad. Like he knows how to bless his children. He knows how to work with us. And he has so much abounding grace. But if we don't know that we have that available to us, and if we don't know that we can utilize that, then it's going to be lost on us. Does that make sense? We're going to think that we're our own provision, we're our own protection, when we've actually been designed to be able to handle wealth. We've actually been designed to handle God's grace poured out on us and to walk in his grace. Amen. Amen. So let's just close our eyes. So Lord, I just thank you so much, God, for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are just teaching us and training us and showing us, Father, just how powerful your grace is, Lord. And I just thank you for your goodness. And Lord, um, I just thank you even last night as I was just praying, I just felt like the Lord pour on me. It was like suddenly out of nowhere. It's like I wasn't even asking or or even in a a moment of prayer. But he just started pouring out liquid grace upon me. And it felt like a weighted blessing blanket that was heavy, but it was also like liquid. And the Lord was just saying, this is all that you need. And so I just impart that right now. Lord, would you just pour out your grace upon every person, Lord Jesus? I thank you, Lord, that you have more than enough grace for the situations that they're facing. You even have grace to show them the things that they need to let go of, to show them the things that are outside of the boundaries of what you're calling them to do. I thank you, Father, that in your presence is fullness of joy, is peace, is righteousness, God. And I just thank you, Father, that you are wrapping us up in your grace, Lord, and that your grace is all we need. Lord, that we don't need to try harder. We don't need to do all the things that we think we need or compare ourselves to other people, God. But Lord, your grace is all that we need for everything that you've called us to, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you are the one who promised and you are the one who is faithful to complete it. And we just thank you so much for it, God. And we just declare, Father, that you're going to show us how to move and to operate in grace, to move and operate in peace and in rest and to let go of striving and to let go of worry and to let go of stress and just to embrace your presence and just say, Lord, you are all I need, and your grace is sufficient for me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.